Welcome to Brain Bandwidth. In today's episode, the topic is fear-driven decision-making. And today I'm joined with Terry. Hello, Terry. Hello. So I'm going to start with uh, putting some subject out there. We're not talking about decision-making when it comes to being in actually fear or danger. Uh, for example, you know, car accidents, being afraid in the street of something bad happening. Uh, this is an entirely different concept that we're not going to touch on today. Yeah. Maybe at some point we could have a discussion about that. But today we're more going to focus about the day-to-day -day activities, regular life, and how the different stressors that exist can actually uh, put you in a state of fight and flight and actually make you do decisions based on your own fears. Uh, you also brought a good point that I didn't think of when I was preparing the episode, which was the fear around missing out, you said. Yeah, so like you said, we're not talking about um, being in a state of immediate danger and the fear decision-making in that realm. And I did bring up, um, so there's a couple of ways we could have gone with this whole conversation, so I mean, we'll cover a couple of things, but so we're not talking about that, but yeah, the fear of missing out, which is another kind of fear-based decision-making that's largely manipulated and used in, in consumerism and advertisers will use that uh, to instill in you. But it's also, it can be with anything, like, um, you know, the fear of, you know, de deciding whether or not you're going to take a new job or have a child. Like, it might be, what if I miss out on, the, on that new opportunity or the, the joys of parenthood um, when you're not really geared, maybe you're not super into the idea of being a parent. And so what's driving you is that fear of missing out. Okay. So fear decision-making exists in the mind. It is not something that you will necessarily feel. It's something that where you believe you are being logical, yeah. but you're not. And, and this is, I think, the, the part of the topic that to me, I want to touch on. Because when you're making a decision based on fear, you may not be feeling afraid of something. You may not be aware of the feeling because it's all in your mind and the process is in your mind. But at the end of the day, you're not making the decision uh, based on, you know, a rational or on hope. You're making the decision based on I rather not try than this. And you could have certain contexts where, let's say, you have a family. You may not want to take a chance because you still need to bring food on the table. But there is a lot of situation where, in your mind, you're going to be I rather not than try. Yeah, so would you, would you say or agree that when you are, because like you said, it's, it's all kind of taking place in your mind. So would you say your brain tends to create the worst case scenario of a, of the, of a, of a situation? Like again, that risk, it, it creates the worst possible scenario. So that's what you end up judging the decision off of instead of like a more nuanced, a more nuanced, um, balanced uh, concept of it. Yeah, I think by default to survive, we've been trained to prepare for the worst part. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, you plan when you're in school to have good grade. And early on, you don't really think about the bad grade. But after a while, you know, if you're, let's say, an average student, you're going to get to a state where, what does it mean if I fail that exam? You're not going to be like, I will deal with it if I fail. Until then, I'm putting all my resources on succeeding. Yeah. Until you reach that point, you're already figuring out, oh my God, I need a plan B. I may fail that. Uh, I think this is something that is ingrained in us at multiple levels of our upbringing that be ready for the bad stuff. And bad stuff does happen. But yeah, when we make a decision, we often think, what are the risks? Yeah. You know, and it may not be rational because we're all more or less all driving cars and we know how many people sadly dies from driving cars. But we have accepted that risk. You know, we are used to it. Whereas, oh, what if I take a chance and go to school and quit my job to change career? What does that mean for me? What kind of risk is it for me? Uh, am I afraid of my own future? I don't have visibility. And when you start to focus on all of that, maybe you won't do the best decision or go where you would want to go, the way you would want to go because you're afraid of different aspects of it. And that's really interesting you bring that up because it's like there's there's really negative, con like catas potentially catastrophic and 
um, and awful consequences to things we do every day. But because we're so used to doing them, we're comfortable with the risk because we've experienced that the likelihood of that negative thing happening is, is fairly low. And it's also kind of a necessity of just going about your day-to-day -day life, like driving a car, right? Or just going outside your house. Um, but when it comes to other things like that, like, like taking a risk or like, like a financial risk or a, a professional risk, we might not be as used to doing that and uh, we're not as comfortable with the, with the consequences, the potential consequences. And like you said before, you're kind of, we're kind of geared towards um, assessing the danger of something, especially something that's, that's less uh, common, less, that's, an, that's less common um, maybe for us or for anybody, whether it's, again, like, to keep, you keep going back to that idea of starting a business or leaving a job or moving somewhere new or starting a new relationship, whatever it is. Um, but there's a big difference between um, the anxiety around making those decisions with something that's everyday normal and something that's not normally done. Something's a little bit more of a risk, like starting a business or moving or get, doing anything. Um, it's not something people do every, maybe the people do do it every day. It's not as in our face as driving a car, um, you know, running across a busy street to get Life to Life happens. Life happens, yeah. What kind of, so I know, you know, in my practice, the kind of miti mitigating strategies I bring uh, for that because one of the challenge and that's true for a, a lot of things is that when you're in the middle of it you don't have the perspective to recognize that you're in it yeah so when you're making your decision based on uh, fear so let's take for example changing cities you're gonna change cities <clears throat> you know you have the same job and we'll say you don't have a family So it's a very, you know, casualty-free environment on, on that front. But you're going away from your friends. And you may not know, am I going to make new friends? Am I going to be happy? What kind of experience I am going to have? Being afraid of those things, and this can be translated into many other scenarios, may lead you to think, Well, I'm going to be alone all the time. I'm just going to work. I'm not going to be happy. Why would I do that? But here is the catch, especially in an example like that. There is what you know that could happen, but there is also everything you don't know. If you don't know that city, you wouldn't know the cool place that it may have. You wouldn't know, you know, uh, the, the bar or the sports center or any of those things. And even if you look online, you may not know how the life grows in that city so you will know and you could miss out on that yeah just by being afraid of it and that thinking is just in your head now you always have to weigh you know the, the good and the bad in every decision but the goal is to be a bit more rational you know towards yourself is this good for me is does this has the potential to be good for me instead of saying this could go badly here here and there what is the potential for goodness And I think that's a question we don't often ask. I think you're right. I, th I think we tend to focus on the negative, right? So would you say a good approach would be, because um, obviously your, brain, your brain's telling you stories. So it's, it's not very different than, you know, you have people in a relationship and you're their friend. So the, the guy, guy and girl, whoever comes and talks to you, tells you their side of the story. And the other person comes and tells you their side of the story. And typically the truth is somewhere in the middle. Right? So if your brain's telling you the worst case scenario about potentially moving to a new city, I'm not going to have any friends, it could be terrible, what if I hate it there, I don't know the nightlife, I'm going to be lonely, what if my job sucks, what if all these different things. So then it's, it takes some actual conscious effort to think, well, what if I meet some really cool people, what if I, you know, what if I love my job, what if the city's great, what if this is the best move ever? Um, you don't really ask yourself those questions as easily. But typically, the actual experience, I would argue, is probably going to be somewhere in the middle. There's going to be good things about the, the risk, and there's going to be bad things about the, the risk, and about the situation, and you're going to end up somewhere in the middle with a lot of those things, and you're probably, but you're going to be, you have to remember that you're going to be fine either, either way. There's always going to be something you can deal with once you, you once you, um, once you hit a roadblock or an obstacle. But 
considering that other side of the coin. Like the yeah. very positive side of the coin is not as easily done, I don't think. We're too wired. I feel, I even for me personally, I'm wired to be like, these are the worst case scenarios. This is the likelihood. I, I'm not worth. I'm, I'm not risking it. I'm not risking it. Or I am willing to risk it, depending. Yeah, so for me, the, the approach I explain about this is that the person that knows you the best is yourself. But when you're moving, it's hard to take a good look. Understanding what motivates you in life, and I'm talking really deep down, can help you negate the fears. Okay. Because the fears, basically, it's your brain telling you there is danger here, and you have to recognize that. The issue, and we I touched on that a bit before, is that once you have the fear, once you have something that tells you, oh, that maybe this is not going to be good, instead of focusing on the this is not going to be good, once you have that come you know, front and center, you should focus on, okay, what can be done about that? Does it come from me? Is it something I'm craving? Is it something I am missing? Where does that come from? Where does that thought come from? You know, it's to question where it comes from, because it may not come from the decision of moving at all. Uh, I'll take my example. I come from France. I moved to Canada when I was young, and I moved from Montreal to Ottawa. Uh, I miss France because of the food. And when I go to another city, my question is always, I hope I'm going to find good food. It's as simple as that. If you tell me I have to move to another city, my first thing that will pop in my head is I hope there I'll be able to buy good produce and good food because that's, that's, important, to that's important to me. But it comes from my upbringing, it comes from the country, it comes from the culture. So it's not something I actually chose. I didn't choose to cook the way I do or to go to the market to get my produce the way I do. I was taught to do that. So I'm not making that decision. It's not conscience. It's not me being like, oh, I know like this, this. No, I, w I was brought up that way. And my first reaction is, oh my God, will I find the food? Instead of, okay, there should be food there. It is not, you know, a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, most likely. So it should work. And even if it's a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, there should be farmers around. So then it just means, okay, I'm going to have to make friends with the different farmers, know the local produce, and all, all, all of that. So it's really changing the mindset from what I'm missing to how do I find it. And, that, and that's true for when you're doing inner work. You know, doing inner work is really about finding... So I'm telling myself a story about something, but is it really my story? Does it really come from me? Or was it given by my parents because you know, they didn't have food? because they were born just after the war. So when I was little, they made sure I had all the food in the world. You know, they were compensating. So now when I go somewhere, I'm like, is there the food? So it's an irrational need. And it's understanding the things that help you control that, that fear because it, it's, it's, we keep saying fear, but it's not necessarily that you're afraid. You know, it, it's a good word, but it, it's more than that. It's a deep rooted insecurities about something. I like that. Um, expanding upon fear-based decision-making, saying, like, what's important to you, right? What's important to you in a new place or a, a new job or whatever? Because there's a lot of things that will influence your decision-making, right? Because there's going to be a, a fear of the personal outcome. There might be, you might be making a decision that has some type of uh, social reper repercussions or cultural repercussions, you know what I mean? Like, somebody might judge you for doing it or whatever. Um, again, again, going back to the, to the, like the children thing, like most, I, I don't know, the, if you say, no, I never want kids, people are like, oh, come on, you, you want kids, right? Like, so if you, there's, there's some type of small stigma with that, even if it's only self-imposed, so that might influence your decision. Some might, well, might not, it might influence your decision, but at least it'll come into play or come into your mind um, outside of, uh, that's an outside, outside um, influence, right? it's not coming from inside. But if you focus on what's important to you, and make your decisions that way, or at least tackle your problems that way. Being like, well, food's important to me. If I move to a new city, well, what can I, I can, what can I do about that? Well, you'd be rational. You'd think, well, if I, if where I'm at doesn't have what I need, I can branch out. I can get it somehow, or, or make the best of the scenario, right? 
believe a lot in our heads. Yeah. And uh, that plays against us most of the time. Because most of the time, so that's the concept. I'm going to touch on the concept a tiny bit, is that my universe into which I am the center of is different than the universe into which you're the center of. I just happen to intersect into your universe and you intersect into my universe. So what I would perceive, you know, as a trait of character from you could actually be something that derives from your own history and your past. And for you, that's causing uh, anxiety or anything like that about making certain decisions. But from the outside, as a passing, you know, entity in your universe, I see it as a strength. So it's really hard to have other people necessarily point out within you where it comes from. It's easy to point out from the outside, oh, the decision is really black or white, either you're moving or you don't, and you know, either you find people or you don't. But the goal of this is really to, to be able to go within you and say, okay, I have an opportunity, what does that mean for me? But not as a materialistic me, but as a more spiritual me, you know. Does that help me move forward? Uh, will that serve me? And often what shows up is to serve you. So in the case of moving city, I'll give a simple example. I, I tend to believe that more often than not, we are the right place at the right time to learn what we need to learn. If in the case of uh, moving cities, it could be that what you need to learn is sometimes you can't run away and you have to step put because what would make you move is actually not the fear about the move, but the fear about what's happening locally. Fear staying. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have that situation with a partner or that situation at work. And instead of facing it, dealing with it, I'm going to run away. Let's say that's a pattern. You're still making a fear driven decision, except it's not about that decision directly. It's indirect. So from the outside, I could say, oh, you're moving. That's great. Uh, I can see you're taking the bull by the horns. But internally, what I'm not saying, what someone from the outside would not necessarily see is that you're actually running away from a situation. So you're making a fear-based decision. So you're making yeah. a fear-based decision even if it doesn't look like it. Yeah. And the only person that can really own in on that is someone that will force you to do introspection and yourself doing said introspection. Because in that particular, like if I'm viewing you like, oh, Jordan's getting up and he's moving, he's going to start a new business somewhere else. In my head, I see that. I'm like, man, he's got a lot of, a lot of guts. He's very, being very decisive and he just did it. And he's like, he's a, and then, but you know, internally, you could be making that decision for what you just talked about, like from the fear, place of fear. Um, what do you? So obviously, if you're going to make a decision in your life, whether it's going, it's going to have large repercussions. It's smart to have these reactions, these fear thoughts about what yes. could happen, right? It also seems to be good to be decisive and to make decisions firmly once you make them and even just be able to make decisions without having to overthink things. So there's like a, for me personally, I battle with that because I feel like I'm personally someone who thinks deeply and overthinks, uh, but I like to see all the layers and cover all the angles of a potential scenario. Then you can get locked into this circular thinking and you're not being decisive and you're, you're, you have information overload or option overload. Um, that becomes a problem in itself. Is there anything to say about having that, striking that balance between being thorough and, and responsible uh, with a decision? Yes. Um, even if that does revolve around some fear and being decisive and having the guts to just do the thing. Yes. So I think the, the way I've seen it in people and the way I've seen it in myself is that the moment I am undecided about something or I have a hard time is because I haven't necessarily learned what I need to from whatever scenario may exist. Especially if, if you're always, you know, if, if you can never make a decision quickly and be on top of it and know this is that and that's that, then the underlying problem could be another kind of fear, another kind of insecurity that's elsewhere. It could be about change, it could be about many things. This is where then I would start to look. So if you keep repeating a cycle of not being able to make a decision, I would ask you the simple question, do you feel like in previous decision, you've made the right one and you've succeeded? And did you pat yourself on the back for that? Or do you just, do you keep trying and going through and even when you succeed, you, you keep pushing? 
because there is something to be said about learning about your mistake. But if you make the right decision, you should also say, okay, I made the right decision. I, I stuck with my guns, and that was the right thing to do, and that's good. So you could say that there's a there's a correlation with um, decisiveness and confidence, and confidence is arguably earned through displayed ability. So if you make a decision, like I made that tough decision and it turned out good and I did it, or I made that tough decision and it didn't turn out well, but I handled it well. So it's easier to become a little more decisive if you've proven to yourself that you're, you're able to handle a situation and you make a decision, good or bad. But if you're not used to making decisions, or if you have many options, or you've made decisions in the past without thinking, or you made you thought you made a good decision and it turned out poorly, that's going to take a hit on your confidence to make a decision. Then you could get stuck in this, yeah. this uh, indecisiveness pattern. If you're stuck in that loop, for me, it's because there is something that needs to be worked on. You know, obviously, you will always have cases where the decisions just are to take. You know, because you have a lot of factors and you're impacting a lot of people. You have a family. You have kids, and you're like. Do I want to quit my job, you know, and start a business when I'm making, you know, a decent salary and I have three kids? Yeah. You know, that's a way different kind of decision. And in this situation, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a fear decision base. It's more you're trying to be realistic. But then people are going to get in there and they will never start whatever they wanted to do. Maybe instead of switching completely career what you should do is pick an activity and start doing that you know as a pastime and i know parents are super busy so i know that example is even harder but you know protect and i teach that to a lot of people protect time for yourself the moment you don't have time for you it's the moment all those fear all those anxiety are going to creep up because you don't have time to reflect you don't have time to look you know inside and that's really bad and end of story. You are. You need to be a bit egoist, and you need to look at yourself. Being alone, just take a bit of time for that. And I would say, you know, if you can't quit for whatever reason, or you can't do the full change, try to find an adaptation. Life is not all or nothing in a lot of situations. You know, unless a relationship stop. That's, you know, you lose the yeah. relationship, so that, that's, that's a bit of yeah. a black and white situation. But a lot of things in life are a lot more gradient than that. You have a lot more gray. So there, there is a lot of things that can happen. And I find people tend to be a all or nothing, you know, kind of scenarios. Because you can, it's, really hard to, it's really easy to gauge if it's good, that's that. If it's bad, that's that. But the in-between, you know... How do you gauge the in-between where you're like, you go make the decision and it happens and there will be a bit of good and there will be a bit of bad. Is that a success or is that bad? That's a really interesting concept because I've talked about that or, or kind of dealt with that myself, right? And I, I'm being in a fitness, or the health and fitness field and then now like a, a regulated health profession for so long, you deal with people and behavior change and watching what they do. And I'm just as... I'm just as much a part of this as any of my clients or people I worked with. But they're very much all or nothing, right? Like it's, I want to get in shape. So I want, I want to lose weight, whatever it is, or a combination of both. So it tends to be like they're all in, they're eating well, they're exercising, but as soon as one thing falls off the plate, like, oh, I, I didn't eat well on the weekend or I drank, I'm going to skip my workout, I didn't work out this week, and now I'm just going to you know, eat whatever and I'll pick it up again Monday. Like it's an all or nothing thing. Like it's... It's very much like if I'm not doing one, I'm not doing the other, then I'm just completely off the rails. I'm either completely on the rails or I'm completely off the rails. And the same thing, like I deal with, like I said, you're trying, you made a, a point or brought up the idea of maybe you can't do the new thing yet, but you can work it into your life, life somehow. People are like, ah, if I can't go, like, if I can't go all in, then I'm just going to not do it, right? So but the, maybe you have three nights a week, you can do it for an hour. Like that's, that's better than nothing. But it's, it's for some reason it's hard for people to just not throw themselves all the way into something, um, and they don't know what that is. Do you think it's because they're afraid not to see a result? It's possible, and because for them it would be a waste of time. They see it as that. If I'm not doing the one thing, doing everything, then I'm not going to. I may be wasting my time, and therefore I'm just not going to do it at all. Which is, I don't think there's like there's like a, a shred of rationality to that or maybe logic to that, but I don't think it's realistic. I think it's not helpful. I think doing something is better than, than nothing in most cases. And it keeps you, like, I don't know, it keeps you 
keeps it going in a good direction, and it's always you're always able to pick that thing back up and bring yeah. it back into your life in a larger role. So being being at peace and relatively happy with yourself helps making those decisions and doing those transition. I uh, I see a lot of people being in situations that are really hard, you know, whether personal or professional, and I I you know teach them different strategy to deal with the stress that they have. And to me, what's interesting is that I see people actually succeed very well at reducing their stress and they get out of the situation and they keep the practice going and the stress gets reduced. They start to manage everything. And as soon as they feel better because they haven't done enough to actually deal with the issue that's behind the curtain, they fall back into the same cycle. Because the, the goal is really to deal with what's your driver. Because in the situation of the fear, it's a driver that you don't control, that you don't know where it comes from. You know, for me, the food, I understand where it is, but it's so ingrained in me. You know, if you tell me you're going to have to move there, but you're going to eat canned food for five years, I'm going to be like, uh, what's the payoff? <laughs> yeah. What's the payoff will be my first question. And maybe I'm going to say no. And maybe my no is going to be irrational because you're telling me you're going to get to drive all the cars you want. I'm like, okay, I will have to think about it. And it doesn't even need to be bad canned food, just canned food, you know. I'm not even qualifying it as, you know, anything like that. While this is a heavy load that basically I'm carrying through food. So I, I have learned and I've done a lot of work and I've done the work to free myself from that. So that, you know, when I go somewhere, I'm gonna look for the food. And if I don't find it, that's fine. But that took me a while to understand why am I driven so much by that? And, and that's really hard. And that, that's when we say fear driven, it could have even be not your own fears. Because the fears are not having food were never mind. Understanding the fears is really good because it helps you resolve spiritually and within you different aspects that are not front and center to you, that are hard to, to pick up. Those things will help you. Why am, I, why am I afraid to leave a, a bad relationship? Is it because I'm afraid to be alone? Is it because I'm afraid of not finding... Where does it come from? Where is it rooted? Is it within me? Is it something that I've seen when I was a kid and I don't remember? What has happened, you know, on my spiritual journey? What has happened in my life, in my genetic line to bring me to that spot where I can't make a simple decision? And that's important that you brought that up because how many times have you heard, uh, anecdotally heard, or had a conversation with somebody and said, like, well, my parents weren't didn't stay together. Or they had a terrible relationship. So I'm afraid to get married, and I only want to be with a person like this because of this reason. Or we always moved around, and I want to plant my roots somewhere. Like people have, um, people have, they make decisions based on, or have like personality quirks or traits or, or values based on how they were raised or what they were subjected to, good or bad. Yeah, right? good or bad. Um, and we could, we should probably do a whole podcast about introspection because it's a, yeah it's a whole nother, it, it will show up yeah it's a whole nother whole nother thing um so we talked about uh fear driven decision making in the con and missing out fear yeah so fear missing out and uh you know making or having fear be a a, a roadblock to making a good decision and then sometimes there's also the uh, fear can help you make a good decision like Sometimes you have very little options, and I'm afraid something bad's going to happen if I don't do this thing, so then you go all into it. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, so for me, when you are in, this, in that kind of situation, it's more of a gut feeling. Mm -hmm. And for me, it is important to listen to your gut feelings because they serve you a lot more often than they don't. And for the people that, you know, you hear some people that say, every time I make a decision, it's the wrong one, it's the wrong choice, and I don't know why. Well, there is something that you need to learn somewhere. Because, you know, your environment makes it so that, how come this happened? Like, the universe is throwing you a bone, showing you the pattern, you picked up on the pattern. Let's figure out what's happening. Mm -hmm. Why is this happening? How come you're ending up in that situation? And again, super hard to do when you're in the middle of it and you're moving. Because you're only really worried about the, that, that thing. Yeah. Like, you know, if you've struggled financially your whole life and you, you, uh, you get an opportunity or whatever, you might, or you're starting a new business or whatever it is, you're, and you're, you might be, you're, what's driving you could be the fear of 
always being financially strapped, uh, failing and losing your home and being out in the street, whatever, that fear is going to drive you and hopefully to work hard and get get ahead, right? But what you talked about too is about um, that introspection, what the universe is trying to tell you, what or what the situation is trying to tell you. And even if you don't want to use those terms, or you don't want to look at it that way. Um, what can you learn from? What can you learn from the situation or from your path? If you're always ending up in the same situation, what's going on? Right? It could be a very nuanced answer to that. It could be a very simple answer to that. Um, but let's swing back to the fear, the fear of missing out. Like the fear yeah. of missing out is a whole other thing. There's, like I said, advertisers and companies will use it. Like limited time only chance to get this special promotion, special promotion only today yeah you got to get it and then it's gone type of thing so you're, you're you're driven by that fear oh my god look it's going to be out of stores i'm never going to get it I'm, I'm screwed so i gotta i gotta get it now and then there's more uh, more uh, serious or advanced or advanced uh, situations where it said like if i don't take that job if i if i have kids or don't have kids like those types of things um and i always bring up the kid thing because i think that's a a conversation I've had recently, per personally, and I just I see that I see people make decisions based on, on uh, the fear of not experiencing that thing, having something go by, never being able to get it again, that that type of thing. So, I, I like that concept of you know society has evolved in such a way that people are trying to sell you things that will disappear. You know, it's a one-time thing. It's a special edition. Uh, multi-tier system, you know, you, you can have your uh, movie ticket, that's the regular, but you could have the movie ticket and get the movie after on, on you know, DVD, Blu-ray, or whatever the case may be. And, and they, they try to give you something and it's for a limited time. And, and that, I think, we've been well taught to look at materialistic things and trying to extract happiness from them. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, the saying money doesn't make you happy. Money solves a lot of problems in the reality of society. It absolutely does. Yeah. Uh, if you're a monk on a mountain, awesome. You don't need the money. It won't solve all your problems, but it will solve a lot. But of if you're <laughs> in a modern city, in a modern place, you need. Uh, because what people tend to forget is that money actually does not equate anything but time. I value my time to X, you're giving me money for my time. I value your time to X, I'm giving you money. This is the premise behind you know, money. It's to exchange time. Uh, you grow, you, you're, uh, you're a farmer, you have sheep. Am I paying for the sheep or am I paying for your time to raise the sheep? Mm -hmm. It's more for your time to raise the sheep than Incidentally, you have the sheep that I'm buying. And providing you resources yeah. or a placeholder for resources and, and for compensation. We, we tend to forget that. When you speak about missing out, it could be my friends are all going out, but I'm tired tonight. And I really, really want to see because I've worked, you know, 20 hours today. Will I still go out knowing that I'm tired, knowing that I will not have a good time, knowing that at the end it's going to be terrible and everybody's like, you're going to have a good time, but nobody feels how you feel in your body. Yeah, but then there's also sometimes like they might be going to do something you typically really wanted or really yes. originally really wanted to do, but you're not feeling up to it. And you might go based on, oh, I'm going to go see that new movie. I really want to see that movie. If I don't go with them tonight, they're going to be talking about it at work on Monday. And I'm going to have to wait till next week. And it's that fear of missing out on this on this situation that drives you to, to go, right? When you don't really want to go. <laughs> and that's the thing that we can't forget. It is easy to be an enlightened monk at the top of a mountain. Super, well, super easy. Super easy, and I'm making uh, air, air quotes yeah. when I say that. The, the challenge is to be that in the middle of society, in the middle of everybody else. Because let's say you're on that path of, you know, personal growth, no matter what you want to call it. Not everybody is going to be on that path. Not everybody, even if they are on that path, are going to be at your level. People are going to be most likely above or below you. The odds of you finding someone that matches exactly where you are, are really slim. Mm. You, you are more likely to find someone that is on the journey, on the path, that, you know, they have their own experience, they're going through their own thing, and either they're a bit more advanced or less advanced is way greater than finding a perfect match in that. And how you're going to interact with all those people, you know, that's going to define 
oh, I'm always going to be alone because I'm never going to find someone at my level. Well, maybe yes, but then you get to teach people maybe. So you see the people around you, it's just a bit different. And it's changing that mindset. Why am I so afraid to be alone? Well, because I've been alone. Okay. What do you do to change it? Now that I understand it. Because the thing is, if it drives you, that's... It's like driving. If all you do in the curve is look at the tree and not the end of the curve, you're going to go in the tree. Yeah. As simple as that. And life is, works a bit that way. If all you do is focus on the fear part, well, you're not putting your energy into building something that's different. And that's, to me, that's tragic. Because the way you change things is like putting your energy into it. Yeah, and taking taking opportunity or taking risk, right? Because taking opportunity, even if it's not like quote unquote risky, there's still you're there's still at risk, or you're still um, foregoing something else to pursue that opportunity, right? Something else is going to fall by the wayside, or something else might get might not get as much as your energy. We're all going to die. <laughs> we're all we're all going and to. A lot of people are afraid of that. Yeah, and that's one of the things that might drive people in general. That's yeah, why they make decisions. It's, that can be that going way back to back to earlier what you're saying about what's driving you. Uh, what's driving um, a lot of people, especially maybe even successful people, to keep going and strive and take risks is is their existentialism. Like they're, the thought that they're going to die one day. There's a limit. There's, yeah. What can you do within that limit? Yeah. And that's that's tough because a lot of people struggle with the concept of dying and I'm not even sure this is a, a topic that I will put in the podcast at some point because it is hard for a lot of people you know because the approach to death is different on in every culture well it's not a it's not a fun topic and uh, but it's an important and topic. it should be yeah yeah it should be not necessarily a fun topic but it shouldn't be as sad as it is in society I agree, and it shouldn't. Well, I think then this is a whole other topic we could get into. But uh, Western culture looks looks very poorly on aging and like and, and getting older and, so, and these different things, and and death is very much a negative thing. And it's I can obviously I understand that nobody wants to die, but most of us don't want to die. It's, but uh, it's an important conversation to have because it, it again it goes back to, to uh, introspection thinking about your own mortality and having these existential crises to a degree are very helpful in in deciding what's important to you as an individual and what you want to do with your life and when you have direction when you have an idea of what you want you can therefore potentially get some purpose and then you have some direction yeah and that is a another whole conversation that could be a very large pillar or key to um, I don't want to say happiness because that's just a yeah. It's a that's a fleeting thing, but it's direction and purpose, and it help it can be create a very enjoyable, purposeful life. So as we've been talking about the topic, uh, fear-driven decision making, there is something that I'm realizing that you've realized is that we came in thinking this is a simple topic to explain to people. Yeah. And we went through a lot of concepts so far. And what I'm starting to understand is that it is not that simple for a simple reason. It is a layered cake. It is a real layer cake. It is not something where I can point at a specific behavior or a specific task and say, this is how you go about it. It is something that's going to be uh, hiding it's going to be in your blind spot. It's going to control you in a way that you don't understand. And it's going to be really hard to manage at first because you won't be able to see it. And the more we speak about it, the more I realize in a topic like that, one of the important aspects of it is actually how you relate to it. So some people, uh, listening to us may exactly get what we're talking about and how it relates you know, to your experience in the past. But let's take the side of someone that is you know, listening for the first time. How do you recognize that you're not making the decision quote-unquote alone? That a section of your head that you don't control, that is anxiety, fear, uh, fear of missing out, fear of the change, whatever the case may be, is actually driving you. How would you find that? How would you figure that out? How would you say, 
oh, it's only 10% of my process, I'm fine with 10%. You know, it's not overtaking. How would you recognize that that 10% is actually 90%? That's a good question. That's a whole other topic, but it's important to tie it into this, is that as humans, and when we're making a decision or we're having reactions to things or whatever, how do we step in and just be an observer? And potentially sometimes and be like what, what's driving this why am I reacting this way and understanding too that sometimes uh, a negative response or a feel fearful response or uh, a self-conscious response what's that's just something you can step back from and, and observe and be like what's driving that why this isn't me or there's something else that, that's underlying underneath all this is driving that and that again takes the time to sit and, and sit with those things and think about them so you've done a lot of sport and martial art in your time. Is this something that would have helped with that? The mindset that is being taught in martial art. I'm curious about that because one of the things I teach is actually setting up your mind for certain tasks, you know, uh, whether you're doing meditation or the work or anything like that. What about martial art? How would that relate if it does? I don't know. And I, I might have a different relationship than other people. Like I didn't grow up in traditional martial arts. Um, and I know that in some of those martial arts, there's a lot of focus on the, the, the inner work aspect, the, maybe the spiritual aspect or the intangible aspect of, of, uh, of self-defense martial art and the, preparing the mind for battle and controlling your emotions and being, being in control of a situation not letting a particular emotion or fear take over, but recognizing it and letting it flow and not letting it consume. Um, for me personally, it, that's something that kind of came later. This is why I'm asking you, because yeah. I know you didn't get the standard, oh, I took you know, karate or jujitsu or something like that up front, having those different teaching about setting your mind for the different tasks, your past is a bit different. This is why for me it's interesting. I'm curious about that. My, my initial uh, drive to get into martial arts was, was, was two things. When you're a kid, you watch martial arts movies or you may watch boxing or the rock movies and you think they're cool. Um, but what drove me, the two major things that drove me were fear. One of them being um, the fear of being, this is a whole other thing, but fear of being weak and vulnerable, right? Yeah, so you take that drove the decision. Exactly. You... you, you um, you want to be able to gain some type of confidence, like physical physical sovereignty, and being able to defend yourself and be powerful, right? Especially if you ever felt weak or whatever. Um, I think a lot of people, especially men, battle with that, and they want that's why they're driven to martial arts. The second or other major thing was, I looked at martial arts, especially combat sports. For me, particularly early on, it was like maybe boxing or, or something, and then like growing up in the '80s, there was like every Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, all, all that stuff was cool, so all those different things. But for me, it was mixed martial arts, was the first thing I saw when I was younger, and what drove me to take that was, um, one, like, looking at the athletes and the guts it takes to get in there, the, the physical condition they have to be in, uh, and, you know, this, the, 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 Mental state. The mental state you'd have to be in to even participate in that, and you know, it, to me it was interesting because you have to be able to be in extremely good shape. You'd watch these guys battling it out, looking exhausted, but still performing, um, and they had a high level of skill. Obviously, back then it was a high level of skill. Still, it's obviously grown to be much more, but that's what attracted me to it was. Um, wanting to experience that, wanting to okay. wanting to measure myself up to that. A, it was a self-testing type of thing. And a large part of that was like wrapped in there underneath all around it was my own mortality. Okay. Right? So for me, the most interesting aspect that you've mentioned is the first one of the two. Because you said you were afraid of being vulnerable, basically. Yeah. But here is the thing, you recognize that, and instead of being even a, 
afraid because I'll give you a concept. Maybe you could have been afraid to go into it because you were vulnerable at that time. Yeah, yeah. You were able to pass, and for you now it's natural because you have these years of experience and you know training and all of that. But at that specific moment, the fear did not drive you because if the fear was driving you, you would have said, "I'm afraid to actually start the training because I am weaker than the others at that time in my life." And you might be able to argue that fear did drive me, but the fear of being what I was or not being what I envisioned was stronger than the fear yeah. of. Feeling inadequate and, and or getting was it really a fear or is it more your driver that I want to be strong? It didn't feel like fear. It felt like a motivating force. Yeah. yeah. So And that's why for me that, that aspect is important because you may have gone there being afraid of, you know, your own weaknesses and vulnerabilities. But your driver at the end of the day was not that you didn't want to be weak. It's that I want to be better. Yeah. I want to be stronger i want to be different aspect of this that it will bring bring to me and, and this is the perfect example you know when about the entire subject because it's something that you are afraid of that brought you to a situation where you had a choice to make about the sport you were going to do but it's not because you were afraid and it didn't overtake you that you were able to do it because if you were afraid of your own vulnerability to the point where you wouldn't even go and train, that could have been that could have my fear of my own vulnerability could have been so extreme that I never started, for sure. And in a lot of cases, you know, you talk about changing cities or changing job. It's exactly that. Your fear of the change is so great that you won't even try. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's going to be good. Maybe it's going to be bad. Maybe you could have you know getting your arm broken the first week and then that's that. And then what do you do from there? How do you rebuild from that? And, and that's really hard. That's not what happened to you, thankfully. But to me, that's a really good example. You have time in your life where it's recognizing where the fear comes from helps you move past it and make the decision based not just on the fear, but on what you want. Yeah. So it's like a, there was a, a potentially a fear in, in, in staying what I was or never becoming what I envisioned, but it was, didn't, like I said, didn't feel that way. There was a path I could have taken that was completely fear-driven or fear-oriented, and it's a very good point that you bring up or concept of the idea of my mind frame at the time. But it did require like honest um, introspection and assessment of my current self and what I wanted. How hard was it to go for the first time? It was really hard, and you feel like when you first go to something or whatever. And then I wanted—I remember trying wanted to try it for the wrestling team in high school, and I was like, "Oh God, like, how am I going to be at this?" Like, I was a fairly like I was been working out at that point in my life, and I had some strength and whatever. But it's very—you go in a room full of animals <laughs> that can do this stuff, and you don't know what's going to happen. And, I, and as a coach, I've been coaching for so long. I've been—I've been, um, have been wrapped up in martial arts in some way or another since I was 15 years old, 14 years old, maybe even younger, and I'm 37 now. And I've been coaching MMA and teaching grappling and all these things for so long. And there's really, you could arguably break it down to two types of people that you see. You bring a new student in and they, they, they grapple for the first time or they're live with somebody, they wrestle with somebody for the first time, and they get their butts kicked and they never come back again. You're not doing it on purpose. You're not trying to kick their butt. Yeah. They, they get tired and they go through the paces. They, they're learning this isn't easy and they're, they're, they're being exposed for their own ability and what they're actually capable of. Against to the reality of it. The reality of it. That's perfect. And they never come back. Then there's the other person who gets their butt kicked like that and they get up off the mat with a smile on their face and they're like, they're determined now to come back until they can do what the person that just did to them yeah. They can do that to somebody else yeah. and feel adequate on the, on, in that situation and feel like they have, have some competency. You really see that. There's it's people in the middle and there's different shades. Yeah, like, like always. Yeah, but that's, that's a pretty common thing you see is people that get their butts kicked and they want to come back. It motivates them. Right? There's a fear of like, or a motivation of that. Some people are afraid. Like, oh, God, I don't want to come back and have that happen again. And, yeah. they, and they never grow. Right? They never get past the, that hump and realize if they just stick to it, they can go somewhere with it. So, whether you are in a pattern of repeating the same thing 
and you suspect there is fear at some point driving you or whether it's a singular situation that happens. I think what comes out of everything we said is that number one, the, the basic, and I will repeat that, I think often we're human and we have a lot of faults, so that's okay not to succeed all the time and not like there is a lot of gray area. It's not either all or nothing, you know, it's not like a lottery ticket. <laughs> Oh, I got nothing. Oh, I got everything. You yeah. know, there is more in between than there are edge case in life. So that's the first thing. And then what came out is that at some point, if you feel you are in that situation and that's something we will cover on in another podcast, but if you know how to do it or if you want to read about it, introspection, looking inward, uh, this is not something we're going to necessarily cover today because, you know, we don't have the time. We'll definitely take time to speak about it, to give some strategies about it. But I think, you know, take the time for you. It goes back to what I was saying. You know, take the time for you to think about you and figure that part out. I think it will help a lot to drive the decision a bit better. Yeah. I think that, uh, yeah, we could have we didn't realize there was so much tied up in this topic until we started sitting down and talking about it. And, um, going back to that, we'll have to, we'll have to sit down and talk about it in the future about, you know, um, introspection and how important it is, like you just said, and, uh, strategies to deal with it and why it's important. And it's just getting that, getting that bit of space away from everyday life. Where we can get some silence or at least some distance from the noise of your everyday interactions and relationships and that's when you when you least suspect it the questions start coming and the lines of thought start coming and they're incredibly fruitful if you give yourself space to actually um dig in yeah well thank you terry for joining me today thank you as always it's great thank you for listening and uh see you in the next one Boom. <laughs>